This episode of this podcast is making me thirsty. It's brought to you by Cinco de Mayo. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty, the number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This episode 48. In this episode, we welcome Pat Finn. He played Joe Mayo, the unforgettable party host in the season nine episode of Seinfeld, The Reverse Peephole. Thank you for listening. If you dig it, pass it on. Follow us on Twitter at this thirsty, at this thirsty. Check out our YouTube channel. Thank you for listening. Enjoy. This podcast is making me thirsty. Episode 48, Pat Finn. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty, the number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This is episode 48. In this episode, we welcome a special guest. He is a Marquette University alum, former troop member at the iconic Second City Theater in Chicago. He's the co-founder of Improvability, a prominent organization that provides improvisational workshops uh, to help companies motivate their staff and strengthen team building. He's performed in tons of TV and films uh, shows, including The George Wentz Show, Murphy Brown, It's Complicated with Meryl Streep, The Middle, Curb Your Enthusiasm. And of course, he played Joe Mayo, the unforgettable party host in the season nine episode of Seinfeld, The Reverse People. Please welcome Pat Finn. Thanks, Pat. Wow, thank you. That's awful nice. <laughs> Pat, great, great to have you on the show. I am a uh, one of six children of Irish Catholic descent, so I'm glad to have another yeah, another one of us on the program. What number are you? Five. That's me. Oh! I'm five. <laughs> five out of six, way to go. There we go, I got, I got two, two sisters that sandwich the four boys, and I'm, I'm five out of six. That's, that's exactly what we have. <laughs> wow, all right. Yeah, my sister Mickey and Katie look like identical, and then the four boys are in the middle. Look at that. That's nuts. Wow. That's, really, that's pretty crazy coincidence. Yeah. So let's uh let's just jump right into uh to Seinfeld. So 1998, right? Um you want to talk about it, I, I I think you had the connection with uh Andy Ackerman from the George Wentz show. Is that how the the role came came along in in 98 right after cuz you did a, a a big run on Murphy Brown that ended yeah. in 97. It's it's funny actually the um so I did, uh, I was in Second City and George Wentz's wife uh, directed me in a show or us in a show and uh, they were trying to find somebody to play his brother and they really couldn't find anybody for some reason. So they were like, come on out and scout, scout this guy. He's an Irish Catholic and used to work on a pop truck and caddy and all these things. And so they ended up flying me back and forth a ton for those auditions and I ended up getting it. And it's probably the third, it's, like we started on a Tuesday and we were done on a, on a Friday. And, um, we got there at like 10 and they're like, they let us go at like two. And I'm like, that, that's, that's the day. That's all we're, we're okay. okay. That's the, <laughs> wow. Cause I was a teamster and they, they go a little longer and we had an hour lunch. So I'm in LA with really no idea what's going on and how this all works and never really took a lot of acting classes and stuff. So I'm, I'm the Radford lot. And so I just start wandering around and I walk by this kind of elephant door that's ajar a little bit. And I hear this laughter. And so I go in and I'm like, oh my gosh, they're 
they're rehearsing Seinfeld. I've seen the show. It's an awesome show. Wow. And so I'm sitting there and it was kind of like this. And I'm looking and I'm like, it's oh, a funny scene. That's hilarious. <laughs> and then I'm just like five or six guys in director's chairs and they get up, move to, to the next scene. And this guy goes, yeah, I'm sorry. Um, who are you? Like, oh, I'm in a TV show next door. I, I don't know. I have no idea what's going on. And I'm just trying to learn as much as I can before we start shooting. And he goes, oh, stick around with me for the day. And you can check stuff out. And that was Andy. And, oh, wow. um, and then we've kind of subsequently met in, in different paths. But um, I actually was, it was kind of weird. It was a Saturday audition, which is kind of rare. And I remember being at uh, like a kid's birthday party at my wife and a bunch of children bunch of moms and dads and I get a call like hey can you get to Radford like within a half hour they're they're casting this part and I was like well, my kids party but yeah it's a great show so I'm like, be, sure of course so I zip over this audition there's a bunch of us in the room and we all go in and uh they're like just you know hold on after your audition and we'll let you know at the end and then everybody can go and the person that has it can stay and I was like okay and uh so I ended up going in, auditioning, it went well, apparently, and we're done. Everyone's waiting, and they said, hey, everyone, great job, but Pat, why don't you stick around? I was like, oh, wow. So then they literally are like, okay, let's walk down to the table read. And so we walk down in the lot, down to the soundstage, and we go in, and the entire cast is there around this table. And they're like, Pat, you're all the right. same day. This is right after All the same day. I was literally <laughs> at a children's party, like, eating cake, like, 40 <laughs> minutes earlier. So... So like, um, but so we did the table read. The coolest thing was, first of all, that it was you know my favorite, my wife and I was our favorite show. But just how funny the table read was. I mean, just people were tearing up at every line and joke, and people from the the executives were there and all that. And so that's that's how I got. I literally went back to the children's party. My wife was like, "God, that took you forever." I'm like, "Sorry, I was doing a table read for Seinfeld." <laughs> so he's like, "Oh my gosh!" So. Wish we all had that excuse to get out of a party like that. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming that's unorthodox. I'd have to guess that that's not how it normally works. No, but that show tended to be. Perhaps yeah. they they either had somebody on the hook for it, it fell apart, or they just went a different way, or you know they were different than shows in that manner. Mm. Um, you know, they would work on Saturdays, and they would, you know, they, they were not as not in a, not in a bad way. Um, it was kind of their own right. thing. Whatever works for you, and it certainly worked for them. So, so, so then you get the gig. So tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, the shooting and the, on the set, things like that. I mean, is there any, I mean, I know you have an improv background. Was, was there yeah. anything they let you kind of play with uh, in your scenes or anything like that, that kind of came up? That's a great question. I mean, most, I know Jerry stand up um, mm -hmm. and, and most people, um, they'll know if you're an improviser or not, or can improvise. This is just my own, um, kind of thing in any show that I've ever done or movie, I assume there's zero improv unless it's called for. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, hey, I got a wacky joke to throw at you because it's like, oh, really, Pat? Because these writers are pretty good. So I'm certainly not going to ch change anything or do anything unless I feel I'm that comfortable. And certainly in this case, I was, you know, kind of coming off the bench to shoot some free throws. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like in the cast, although they were ridiculously nice to me. Um, but with that being said, um, Andy, uh, we were doing a run through and he said, Hey, try to do something to make Jerry laugh. 
was like, oh, okay, because it's, it's play. You can play. You can find things and, and experiment. It may work, may not work. And I felt that gave me the, they took the reins off a little bit. And uh, I flew in like a few days, like a week or so earlier. And I was just sitting there. We're waiting to, to get a, to have the, the jetway pulled up to the plane. And I was just looking outside. And I think they were just goofing around, but these guys were just going nuts with directing. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll do something like that. So I, was, I just kind of went, hey, Jerry, do me a favor. You know, make sure nobody taps on the, on the glass. And laugh. Jerry got a laugh. And then um, the next day we did it, and I didn't include it. And Jerry's like, hey, wow, where's, the, where's this? Like, I was just doing it, Andy, Andy said, to try to make you laugh. He goes, yeah, I did. How, how about making every, everybody laugh? I was like, <laughs> you want to keep it? Because usually if there's a change in the script, there's an asterisk. So you know something's different, whether it's stage direction or a line. And there wasn't anything, so I assumed, you know, I shouldn't push my luck. And Andy's like, no, very much keep it in, in the show. So it was kind of cool. It was, uh, yeah, it was fun to be able to do something that made Jerry laugh, who's, you know, as a comic, it's hard to get a laugh like that. So I was, uh, it was a good day. Yeah, I mean, to your, I mean, it's an unforgettable character, to be honest, right? Like Joe Mayo, like literally this summer, the guy that rented my beach house, was his name was Joe Mayo. And like, <laughs> yeah from that like so many references of tap the glass like that's all we did the whole time there but um yeah. and you didn't spend you know you had one scene you had a few lines but like really a lasting impact like oh that's nice to say no i mean it is yeah, it's I, mean, true. I mean it's uh, it's an unforgettable part the it's um crazy. thanks the the two things about it one were were joe mayo was the, was the actual sound guy ah okay. that was his name so, so that yeah that that's a good that often. Theme. yeah I mean, like with with uh spike ferenson wrote wrote the episode and he seems to to do that a lot and, and pull in like alec burns i guess friends of the show with the name but joe mayo is a great name well it is and one of the kind of things was that you know pretty much everybody's got you know their gaggle of friends and there's a lot of times there's one that has that you call them by both names like joe mayo they don't call him Joe or the main man. So they, they took some of it out, but one of the bits that Larry had that he wanted um, Michael Kramer um, to get angry because nobody calls me a nickname. He's like, well, why do we have to call him both names? Why don't we just call him Joe? Nobody calls him Joe. I, Joe's a good name. But it's like you always say, like, Bill, Steve, Mary, Joe Mayo, you know, whatever. Um, the other little fun fact is that in the scene, if you go back and look at it, Joe Mayo, the sound guy, he's the one who has, he has gray hair and I believe a mustache, but he's the one who has a drink on the speaker. Ah, nice. So they put him in the shot, which I thought was a nice little tip of the cap. Putty uh, took also, care of him, yep. Yeah, yeah but Putty's he brought his family in and, you know, he's up in the booth most of the time. So, and super great guy, super nice guy. Very uh, cool. Yeah, it was cool. Um, we wanted to kind of go back a little bit because, uh, you know, you know, Marquette and then uh, Second City, um, you know, and, and also we saw you in the in the Farley doc. I mean, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up Farley. We're, we're huge SNL fans, especially from that era. I mean, you know, Lord Michaels likes to say you're a fan of when you were in high school. And that was kind of our, yeah. our box right there those yeah. years. And, you know, I just know that you and Farley were, were pretty close. If you had any stories there, you wouldn't mind sharing or. Yeah, I mean, you know, Chris and I, 
uh, it's funny, I went to Marquette, I was trying to get into another school and I didn't get in, so I kind of went to Marquette begrudgingly, and I went so late that I was put in the sophomore dorm, uh, where most freshmen aren't, and I was put in the lounge, and then subsequently just met people that were a year older, because that's all I knew, and it turns out I met my wife um, at 18, and was married with three kids, and it's great, and uh, the other one was Jim Murphy, who worked for Pixar, and uh, wrote Lava, and uh, and Farrells, and Chris Farley, and we all played rugby together as well with my brother Kevin. So it was a pretty, Chris was actually, um, he, he, well, he's super Catholic. We would go to church a lot. I know people kind of find that hard to believe, but we mm. did a lot uh, to try to volunteer. Volunteered a ton and you know, we'd go to mass and pray. And, um, he, he was also a really good athlete, which is hard for somebody that size, but you can't fall on a table. You can't do all those bits if he's not athletic. Um, he was actually a really good basketball player. And um, I was amazed at how he could put the ball between his legs because I always thought it would get stuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was a great rugby player too. So, um, And it also would bring his shenanigans to the, to the pitch as well. Well, his uh, I remember he did the ice skating in his SNL oh, for the Olympics was yeah. – yeah, and the, and the Chippendales dancing with Swayze's, uh, yeah. you know, his movie. Yeah, that well, that was fantastic. Incredible. You know, he, he, um, yeah, well, he grew up like me, you're playing, uh, we played, we had pond hockey, but we had, my dad would go out and flood the backyard. And so we play, uh, all my brothers and I would play hockey. My sister was a figure skater. So I think it was the same thing with Chris. I never played hockey with him, but I remember we talked one time and he's like, he'd probably be a um, good hockey player. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it a lot. He goes, yeah. Did you, uh, he was always, he, he goes, I was always the goalie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't fault somebody for that. That's right. a, it's, it's a wise coaching move. Oh man. I mean, we, we miss his humor greatly. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you miss him as a friend greatly. Did, um, just speaking of Marquette, one of our other guests, we had on another Seinfeld connection, uh, Jimmy Anthony Stark was also yeah. a Marquette grad. Did you yeah. have connection? He's two years older than you, I think. He is. I knew Anthony vaguely. He's such a good actor. And, and I, um, so Chris, Chris wanted to, we would listen to like uh, National Lampoon albums and Steve Martin and Bob Newhart just, just to try to just get comedy because we didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to do improv or anything. We just wanted to do it and didn't know how. And we um, ended up, uh, he got into, he auditioned for a play and I was too nervous. So I didn't do it. And he got it. And the whole rugby team came. And then I went backstage and met the theater director. And uh, I'm sure Anthony was in it. Uh, and I'm like, I'm going to try out next year. And I was all nervous. And she's like, great. And we go to watch Chris in the, in the thing. And he's, he's in the first half a little bit as a cop. And he's not in a lot in the second half. And, you know, I think, honestly, one of the rugby players like, went backstage and like, Farrell's get back out there. Which is so, like, absurd to think of. And so Chris took the coat with its back legs and then walked it out in a scene, like literally in the middle of a scene. It was Curse of the Starving Class. And it's like, oh, it's just, there's a goat on the loose. Uh, so I got it. Like, <laughs> huge laugh. And then just kind of left and just subsequently kind of the rest of the show didn't go as well as it should have. But so Chris was kicked out of theater and I by proxy was kicked out as well before he <laughs> got my feet on the boards. Uh, but Anthony's great. Yeah, he's. Uh, I see him from time to time at auditions. And, uh, the other Marquette people out here are uh, 
Chris Mars, who's a writer-actor. You've seen him in a bunch of stuff. Kevin Farley. Mm, yeah. And, and Danny Booty. Uh, ironically, the first recipient of the Chris Farley Award. Scholarship. Huh. That's awesome. So Farley went on to, um, obviously, SNL prominence. And I actually heard a, a story. I'd love to hear your, your take on it. But you obviously, um, you tried out for SNL as well. And I know you did a Chet Kopic impersonation, <laughs> I heard. And I know many people don't know who he is, but I, I mean, I could picture him clear as day with the suspenders. It, um, yeah, we it, got him on WGN here and like okay. Sports Channel years ago. So I, I'm familiar with him, but I'm curious how Lauren Michaels took that. Yeah, there was a couple things. One, uh, they wanted a celebrity impression and a political impression if you had time something on your own. And I, and I told my agent who also had Lauren my manager, Brostein, that I'm like, I don't do impressions. I can't really do this. It's not going to work. And so I was going to switch gears and just make it all up. And then they called back and said, no, man, you're going to be behind the eight ball. It's not going to go well. You have to do what everybody else is doing. So I talked to my friend, Tim Kazarinski that night, and we kind of went through ideas. And we were going to do a character named Hosni Mubarak, who was assassinated. He had something like 11 assassination attempts on him. He was what, like, year was, what year was this, Pat? Gosh. 95, right? 95-ish, I think. I'm horrible with years. Yeah. I know, I know Eisenhower was, is out of office at this point. <laughs> I remember that. No, but um, but anyway, so um, I decided I'm just doing check topic. And uh, and again, it was like getting a trout for the Bears. You know, so you're on 8-H, and, and they've narrowed it down to 10 people in the country. And uh, so I start with... Um, Ted Koppel, who I've never done before, not even at like a party, interviewing uh, Bill Clinton. And it's just horrible. It's just going awful. And they're like, Lauren's going to have a newspaper and he's going to look through a little tiny hole in the newspaper and he'll never drop it. And it was going so bad that he had to see like the carnage live. Like he slowly dropped, like, I got to see what the hell this guy's doing. And so I panicked and went right into Chet Kopik. Um, and Chet Kopik is... I actually met him later on and told him the story, and he was pickled. Uh, he was super tickled. He was happy. He uh, so check. Have you heard him at all, Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So that was the thing. He would he would get anybody to interview. For those who don't know, and he would just make one like um, question like absurdly long. So it'd be like, "All right, folks, stick around. We got ourselves a round ball. We got Michael Jeffrey Jordan." Uh, to work the 94-foot hustle, the circular Zeppelin. He's going to tickle the twine all night long. If you're, if you're wanting to play against the Bulls, you're going to be playing against the mighty Michael Jordan out of uh, the Tar Heel country. But he just says all these catchphrases. <laughs> and then, like, the question's not even in there. And then it's like, all right, stick around. We're right back. Like, they didn't even get to it. It's so long. <laughs> but, yeah, so I didn't um, – I think Chris is – Chris did his audition at – Second City, and they videotaped it there. So I think he broke his foot mm. at, at a, a crack ball, and then it, he might have gone out. But they had him on his radar, pretty pretty serious. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it sounds like you got a, you got a really um, strong connection to the Chicago the Chicago guys uh, with George Wendt, Farley. Yeah. Um, and uh, I know you were in the Goldbergs with Jeff Garland. Yeah. Um, and also the Curb episode, you know, the, the season's five finale at Curb. Um, kind of curious how the Curb episode, how you got that gig. Was it was it through those guys like like Jeff Garland, or was it how Curb? Come about yeah, the Curb. 
Um, Curb was actually through uh, Larry knew me from um, from uh, Seinfeld. They didn't announce. It's funny. They they actually um, it was beyond flattering. Mm. Uh, halfway through, Jerry came over during the week and was like, "Hey, um, we're we're going to make this a recurring character." And I'm like, "That's." ridiculously flattering that's so great i would love to come back because they were the nicest people ever and uh, obviously super right. funny and talented and then uh friday i think it was a friday or tuesday that we taped it was the end before the uh christmas holiday break and so they're like hey jerry wants to know if you would stick around uh we got like some pizzas coming just a small little group uh and i was like i got my wife and my brother was in town and they're like, yeah, bring them. That'd be great. So we literally, this tiny little gathering of just the writers and the cast. And then Jerry's like, hey, I think we're going to we're gonna wrap the show. And he's like, I just want to let you know that we have to, we're going to do it with, we have to bring in characters that we've established from years ago. And yours is so new. It's not like a big callback. And it was just, again, flattering that he asked. And um, very cool that he said that because in Hollywood you don't have to do that. You That's classic. Yeah, what well, you I could have easily seen Joel Mayo as a recurring character too. I mean, it's, hit the yeah, on the head, it, it, it's um, yeah. They actually here's a little fun fact for you. They uh, I came in one day and Julia um, ran up and like hugged me. She was super excited and she goes, "They wrote another scene," which never happens because they're like fifty pages anyway, so they're way too long right. every show. And to put more meat onto that steak is, is crazy. But the scene, I'll let you know, I don't know if you know it or not, but they, um, the scene they added was Julia and I went to um, the diner. And Julia's there, and I come in, and I sit down. And I'm like, hey, Julia, thanks so much for meeting me. And she's like, sure, is everything okay? And I said, hold on one second. And I turned to this gentleman next to me having like soup by himself. And I said, sir? And he's like, uh, yeah, I go, so sorry to bother you. Uh, can you tell me what time it is? And he's like, uh, it's three minutes to four. I go, great, thanks so much. Do me a favor, tell me when it's four. Thank you. Um, <laughs> well, Julia, um, kind of owe me for that coat. And we're having our scene, and all of a sudden it's like, excuse me, hold on a second. Yeah. Uh, you wanted me to tell you when it was four o'clock? Oh, right, thanks so much. Julia, I got to go. And that was it. Like everybody in my world just did everything for me. Like in my, <laughs> you just get everyone. We, we never yeah. even got to shoot it. But I thought, that's that. I mean, that's a great scene. They should have yeah, kept that in. I like, know. Isn't that crazy? It been I mean, so... Just like hearing you do the Joe Mayo voice and then again. The it's like and everything. I mean, yeah. Bring them back. It was crazy. So, but then, so uh, Jeff and I came up, you know, from Chicago together in Second City and you know, Thick of Steves, and um, they brought in like the the best or biggest whatever improvisers in the city when, when Curb came out. And I'm sure Jeff threw all the names at him or a bunch of them. And I went in twice to audition. And and this is, you know, Larry's thing to, to Jeff that he's like, Pat's too nice. Pat's like the whole show works with confrontation. Yeah. You know, why'd you throw your why'd you throw your trash away in my, my garbage can? Ah, you know, I can use your own garbage can. You know, so it's it's not that whereas I'm like, oh I'm sorry, I'll get it out. Because you improvise, you improvise the um, right. The, um, gosh, the scene for I for the audition you improvise too. I'm assuming then, right? Yes, yeah, so they give you like that? a little, like a fortune cookie type of piece of paper, and it gives a scenario. In this case, my scenario was um, you're uh, in a bowling alley, 
and um, somebody, um, you, uh, Larry brought his super expensive loafers last time he, he bowled and somebody took them. And then I have the loafers. So that's what the setup is. So you walk in, you say hi to everybody, and then they're like, okay, you and Larry are going to do the scene. You're either going to do it right or you're going to do it wrong. And there's probably 50, 60 people there to audition. So Larry comes over and he's like, you know, excuse me. And I said, oh, did you want to borrow this chair? And he's like, no, no, those shoes. What's with those? Are, those are my shoes. And I'm like, ah, so sorry. Because you took them. You took my shoes. And it's kind of this verbal thing. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm so sorry. I had a couple of glasses uh, beer before uh, when we did this last time. And I, I took the wrong shoes home. And so the next day, I put them on to go to work. And I was like, these aren't my shoes. I got to bring them back after work. But then I go to work and I get a promotion. And then my ex-girlfriend calls me up, wants to get back together. Then I went to scratch her for $1,000. These are my lucky shoes. I'm like, you can't take my lucky shoes. And that was just kind of the bit of it. Right, and right. he's like, he wanted confrontation. Ironically, I was one of the ones that did it the right way, but there's not enough confrontation. So the final, they thought was the final season. Um, Larry, it was just not Larry and Jeff were like, we want to have you in this show. And sorry, the role's small, but we're, we're finishing up. And Larry came over and apologized. And I'm like, no, we get to play. That's fun. I mean, it's, what a crazy thing. And uh, it went great. And then they announced they're going for more. So I saw Jeff at a party. And I'm like, hey, man, I'll come back. And he goes, yeah, Larry doesn't bring people back. Like, <laughs> it doesn't, like once you do a bit, unless you're right. that same, you know, unless you're Joe Mayo again in the character, you can't do another one. So, but it was still fun to play. Yeah. yeah. And we know, we know George went, I guess, you know, he, there's a special place in your heart for him. He's, uh, I think, your son's godfather, if I recall, right? He is. He and uh, his wife, Bernadette. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, I mean, we're big fans of him. He, he uh, you know, obviously cheers, and he had a big part. He had a small part on Seinfeld, so there's a connection there. And then, obviously, the George Wentz show, which um, there's just a lot of connections, right? Mark Christopher Lawrence was a part of that show. Yeah. We had him on our program. He, was a, he came back twice on Seinfeld as two yeah. different yeah, which is crazy because I've done that on two or three shows and it's weird. But I died on a show and came back on. I think oh, it was wow. Third Rock from the Sun. Uh, yeah. well, wasn't Mark Honolulu? Yeah, yeah, he was JFK. That's Lulu. my favorite line. JFK Honolulu. Yeah, no, I just we were just uh, on Facebook writing each other. He's such a great talent and great guy. And obviously, the other sci-fi connection is uh, Brian Murray, who plays the Bubble Boy's father. It's like you know. Yeah. The Chicago Seinfeld connection is is strong for sure. No, it is for sure. I, I grew up down the street from the Murrays, so our moms used to go to church uh, every day together. Um, so actually, this one of the sisters is a nun. We taught my little sister, uh, Katie. So there's it's kind of a wild. So Joel Murray is the youngest of nine, and he was my brother's age. So when we moved out here, we didn't know a lot of people. So uh, Joel and his wife Liza became super close and to this day we vacation and holidays and they're great we, I, they, they have a caddyshack golf tournament that i've been a part of and brian is um just such an icon in general with caddyshack and all the things to be like the fact that i played golf with him and you can just be like hey brian what was that you know the the scene with chevy and, and bill and the like it, 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 the ball went in the grounds cube well, yeah it was all improvised you know just like hearing stuff like that like where'd that come from and where'd this come from but I caddied at the, the course where, where it was 
written because Murray's caddy did too. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it is. It's it's a crazy. I'm trying to think if I did um, the middle with Neil Flynn, but I'm trying to think. I think I thought he did a a Seinfeld, but maybe not. Is he was the debt? The, he's the main guy in in the middle. Yeah. Nah, he never. He didn't do he Jerry. Didn't um, all right. So as a Chicago guy, you're mid fifties. I, you're probably a Bulls, Bears, Cubs fan. Yeah. What's What's the team? Eighty-five Bears. Yeah. Um, yeah, and yes, and probably because it was so long ago that the Cubs um, World Series was pretty. pretty oh. Well, yeah. yeah. No, no, but I mean, and and also because I had from the Caddyshack tournaments gotten to know the Ricketts and their family, and. Um, you know, we went to the World Series. It's funny. We, I took up my wife and I went to the World Series, and uh, right, we're sitting in our seats, and I took a picture, or like on my iPhone. Look at me, I'm doing my. Took a picture, and uh, <laughs> on my phone, and then took another one. And she goes, "What were those two pictures?" And I said, "Well, the scoreboard, because it always has all the teams that are playing that day, and I've never seen it with just two teams left. Right, right. Yeah. They've never been in a World Series. And the other one was where I sat for the first time." Uh, as an altar server uh, with the nuns, uh, if you if you served enough masses as an altar boy, you got to go to a cub game. Um, so that was I never went with my we didn't go as a family at all because it was just uh, my dad was always pretty busy with stuff. So that was the only time we could go to a cub game as, a, as an altar boy. That's a great story. I had the chill on that one, man. That the yeah, scoreboard cool. thing is uh, was, very uh, cool. no, and it's definitely that our kids have been there. And we, there was a charity event where I got to play wiffle ball with Carrie Wood. Which is and George was one of the coaches and Bill Murray was the other coach and it's just it was just crazy. It's just um, to like be at at bat and have Derek Lee on first base goes hit me in Pat. Like, oh okay, Derek Lee who is like on every fantasy team I have. So. <laughs> what what um I like to just ask you maybe if there's anything we didn't yeah. cover that you had in mind as far as any any stories or anything like that from all your time with all these amazing uh, people you've worked with and, you know, whether it's science no, I've been or really, or... I've been really lucky um, in that as a kid, I just grew up, you know, you kind of idolize Second City and SNL and things like that, but you certainly don't think it's something that you could attain. Um, but that I got, and probably with Chris's prodding, I didn't, I, I didn't uh, try out for Second City. Uh, Chris did, and I chickened out, and he got all mad. Oh, wow. And, which he should have, because we were like best friends. Chris, so Chris... He was a year older, so he waited for me so we could both go down to Chicago together. And so he lived with his parents for a year to save money, which is ultimately Tommy Boy, because his dad owned an oil company. Okay. Uh, which is crazy, because like, yeah. just you think that little buffer became Tommy Boy. Because brake pads. Yeah. yeah. Tommy um, sold one million brake pads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Chris would take people out for dinner. And get him drunk and have him sign a contract. It was hilarious. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so then we got, I went to his first class. I snuck in and um, was thought for sure I'd get kicked out. And I wasn't even going to get on stage, and the director kind of made me, the teacher. And afterwards, I said, Hey, man, I, I snuck in here. I'm, I didn't, I'm not part of this group. And he goes, Well, I think you're supposed to be here. He goes, Just pay. So they added one more person, which was me. And then I went through the ranks, got in the touring company, toured for a year, 
got put on a stage, wrote two shows, then got put on the main stage, uh, which was like a dream. And the same week I got the main stage was the week I got the George Wendt show, which was just uh, absurd. And back to like crazy, like serendipitous situations, I get that with Brian. You know, I didn't have much acting experience whatsoever. I'd never seen a taping, never been to a sitcom. Uh, and then George went, took me under his wing. So we'd go to his house and have a couple beers. I mean, he's exactly what you would think. He's super smart, <laughs> super funny, uh, great guy, loves beer. Um, and uh, it's funny, he would be like, hey, uh, my, his kids were in high school. And he goes, we're going away for the week. So would you mind coming over and helping me drain the keg so all the high school kids don't drink it? <laughs> and, I like, oh, sure. and I told my wife, and she's like, so you're just a good friend. I'm like, well, you know. God, <laughs> I wish I had friends like that from Peter. I know, right? Um, so but, uh, so but I'm just like, to circle back to 98, right? You got the call from Ackerman or Seinfeld. Like, it's, and you told your wife, like, I got to go with Seinfeld. You guys are big fans. Like, yeah. any, any shows you remember that, like, you just, you loved? Like, what, what hooked you originally to that show? Um, if you can recall, Gosh, that was, you know, you, you were, you're pretty much, you just got out of college essentially, right? You're yeah. kind of work stuff when it came it out. Was, it was just one of those where I, I want to say it's on Wednesday night. It uh, was. Yep. 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 And, and one of the reasons I, well, first of all, it was my wife and I was our favorite show and we had our daughter Cassidy in 95. Um, and it's funny because she was, um, God, it was either her or Caitlin, one or the other. It might have been Caitlin, our other daughter. But uh, she was born um, and Seinfeld was on in the, in the room. Oh, so wow. we always knew, like, oh, yeah, it was 8 o'clock or whatever. We just, like, knew because Seinfeld was on at that time. I should probably look up what episode it was. 95 um, she was born, you said? Uh, one was 95, one was 97. 95 was probably season 7. Okay. Which is a great season, man. It's a good season. But it's, um, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, as an actor, you kind of your job is to know your lines, go in and do your thing, and then split. Uh, and that's a, that's kind of what I expected. And so when I was done with the scene, I'd go over to this like table in the middle where they have magazines and newspapers, and I just stayed there one so I could listen and kind of learn from from their rehearsal because I'm still trying to pick up stuff. And the other was. Uh, in case they needed me, I wasn't too far away, so they wouldn't think I was some snotty actor. And then, then the cast gradually would come, like Jason sat down. And he's like, hey, so what's your deal? Where are you from? And each one um, came over, and we started talking. And it was so nice because they didn't have to, but to be welcomed into any group is nice, especially that group. And you certainly want them to be nice because you're, you put them on such a high pedestal. I remember I was... I was backstage and um, there was just this big like fruit platter and uh, Jerry came up and it was like maybe later on in the first day and I don't do a Jerry very good one so I won't do it but he was just like hey it's going great I'm like oh thanks so much because you're, you're doing really well I'm like, wow that's so nice of you I really appreciate that and it was kind of a beat and I go uh, I gotta tell you this this is this is by far my wife and I, it's, it's our favorite show. So I'm so excited that I can be a part of it. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, this is your favorite show? I was like, yeah. I mean, there's other people in the country that feel the same way. It's not like <laughs> it's a hidden gem. 
And he's like, and he kind of laughed. And I'm like, oh, I got to laugh. And then there was like dead silence and it was awkward. And I just went, and you know, nobody's going to get scurvy today. So that's also good, good news. And then, like, <laughs> we, then he laughed and he's like, scurvy's a funny word. Uh, but it was just, it was, uh, and Julia, I've seen since, you know, for auditions for Veep and things like that. She would mm-hmm. jump up and hug me, which is so nice. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just such, I mean, I've been on airplanes and people, it's amazing how many people have seen that episode. Like just that'll come up to you at places at a ball game or airport or a restaurant. I'm like, wow, that's, that's crazy. But I mean, honestly, you know, my I watched the episode with my kids and stuff. It's a really well written episode. Yeah, it's it is funny. And, and to be honest, we're not huge season nine guys. We always like you say that, but it's a great season nine episode. I just you know rewatched it. Yeah, Spike Ferriston wrote it. Um, I don't know how much interaction you had with him as far as that goes. Some, but, I mean, it's it's one of those. I'm a fan of all the writers. I think it right. should be more. Some play it like offense, defense, but Second City, it's both. So. Even on Ed, I would always go over to Rob Burnett and and, uh, and those guys would just kind of talk whenever I could just about anything and sometimes the character or whatever. But I think it makes for – then they, I think, have a better feel for how to write for you. Yeah, and I, think, and I think the beauty of that show, we talk about it a lot, is, is – and I think you talked about it with meeting these guys. They're just unselfish. And, like, two of our favorite episodes include these Marquette grads, right? Jimmy oh, yeah, and Joe Mayer. Enough yeah. said, you know, and no, they like, let you they let you guys shine. They, well, I tell you that one thing I always go back to is that Second City, one of the paramount concepts, other than yes and, which everyone kind of knows. The other one is making the other person look good, and that was a show that did it. They, you know, if, if Jerry had an idea for somebody else and it was a better line or anything, then that would be done. It was there wasn't an ego issue at all. And Julia's from Second City, so. You know, you, I think it shows in her acting as well. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was a crazy thing to be a part of. Um, and I've seen almost, I haven't seen Jerry out think since. But I, yeah, it's one of those things that he's just, he reminds me of like one of my brothers. He's just a guy you can sit and talk to. And he obviously has a ridiculously hilarious slant on things. So he's probably one of my favorite stand-ups. Like who's just the test of time kind of a thing. Listen, Pat. Uh, we can't thank you enough. Um, yeah, thanks, so thanks for joining. Thanks for taking us down memory lane with Farley Seinfeld. Like these are kind of our our favorite topics. So no, it's very cool. I mean, it's it's nice to be uh, be uh, to have been a part of that time. Uh, and, and you know, like kind of like you were saying a little bit before, Chris, is that it was really nobody like Farls. And you know, the one thing I always say is that I wish my kids would have known him because. There's nobody that's like him. I mean, he was so different in energy and presence that uh, just he brought a show everywhere he went. That's, that's not common. So, uh, yeah, it's nice that we have the stuff like the. It's funny. Um, I just, Tony, I just, somebody just sent me that ice skating one. And I haven't seen it in years. <laughs> I forgot about it. It was great. I'm like, look at Barl's going backwards. <laughs> Incredible. So, yeah, it was very cool. Well, it was an honor to hang out with you guys and talk. Thank you so much, Pat. This was this was amazing. Uh, we really appreciate your time, man. You're welcome. Be well. Be well, Pat. Thanks so Thank much. You, Pat. Take care. You too. Right. Cheers. Okay.